0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Midwest Madness, your true crime cult, conspiracy, and cryptat. What? (laughs) Cryptid? Uh,
1: Cryptid. (laughs) Cryptad. Oh, my God. Podcast.
0: I'm Emily. I just made my whole day.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Oh, it was so good. Um, I'm Danielle. <laughs> I forgot who I was for a sec. And happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Two, one more or two more till Christmas. Tuesdays? Well, yeah. Like what well, weeks, I guess. Because Christmas is on a Monday. Yeah. Do we want to release on the day after? I should have asked. Well, we, we can talk
0: about it after we're done. Okay. Yeah. Because usually we, we take a break around the holidays. Yeah, so we'll have we to. Both get f- so freaking busy. We'll have to figure out when we want to. When we want to do that, so okay, we'll talk about that after. Oh, yeah, I think we'll probably put out one more after
1: this, no so matter what one why. more of yours, for either. sure. I
0: think for sure. So then,
1: so then I would start. I'm just saying
0: year. you'll have our decision of what days we'll be taking off on the next
1: episode. Oh, okay, got it, got it, got so it. Kind of, yeah, okay. okay,
0: got so got,
1: you got what I'm laying down. Okay, yours is long, so mine's kind of long. Let's get into it. Well, whenever we say that, they don't end, end up, being up being that long. long. But well, whatever. You
0: never know. So, usually it's
1: because we talk. <coughs> that's that's true. Fast. I feel like. <coughs> I'm dying. It's fine. All right. So, my story is about a man named John Robinson. Uh, do you know, does that name? No. Other than the family person that, like, Allie's, a dog set their dogs. His name is John Robinson. Oh, too. really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I was didn't like, know that. Ooh, yikes. But, He's a good guy. This is not, a, good not guy. a great guy. Okay. No. So, John Edward Robinson was born on December 27th, 1943 in Cicero, Illinois. Cicero. So Pop. We, yes. There it is. Right? I was going to say. Cicero. Now, the name Cicero Vibrious. sounds familiar. It's from that dope song from the musical Chicago. He had it coming. The sub block tango. He had it coming. He only had himself to blame. Her brother, or her husband was cheating on her with her sister. They were doing the, the spread Cic- eagle in in Cicero. In Cicero. Okay, yeah. that's why. Yep. Got it. So that's why he had it come. If you're <laughs> I would join you, but I sound like I'm dying. So. I have such a bad singing voice. So. <laughs> but you know what? Your gusto makes I up for
0: do, it. Love, <laughs>
1: are you okay no i'm not (laughs) okay Okay. anyways moving on he was the third of five children and his parents were not exactly winning awards for being parent of the year his dad was an abusive alcoholic and his mom was extremely strict disciplinarian so not like the best home life John went to Quigley Preparatory Seminary, a private Catholic school hoping to become a priest in the future, but he either dropped out or was kicked out after a year due to disciplinary issues. Hmm. This is not going to shock you later. Okay. It doesn't appear that he was a particularly good student either. According to old school records, he didn't get the best grades and spent more time in detention for fighting classmates than he did anywhere else. John also attempted a junior college to become a radiographer but dropped out after two years and moved to Kansas City where he got married to a woman named Nancy Jo Lynch. They had four children together, John Jr. in 1965 Kimberly in 1967, and twins Christopher and Christine in 1971. John's first arrest comes in 1969, which you might be like, hold up, he was having children during that time. Yes, he was, because he only got probation. Mm -hmm. Um, He embezzled $33,000 from a medical practitioner uh, at his medical practice, obviously. The doctor's name was Dr. John Wallace Graham, and John had been working there as a radiographer, which is a little confusing because he'd never finished that degree, so therefore he does not have a license to be a radiographer. But he just fixed that, you know, no problems. So he forged credentials to get that job. John was sentenced to three years of probation. And in nineteen seventy. Did which, they
0: find out he was he forged his documents too? Yes. Okay.
1: So in nineteen seventy, which is a year later, he and his family moved to Chicago, which is within three years.
0: Oh, you can't do that.
1: And he did not have permission from his parole officer, officer to do so. So he was in violation of his probation and got arrested in nineteen seventy one. For the violation of probation. In, 19, ooh, sorry. in 1975, his probation was extended again after another arrest on charges for securities fraud and mail fraud in connection with a fake medical consulting company that he created. Hm. So, a bit of a con man we're dealing with here. In the medical field? Yep. Despite his criminal record, he was doing all of the other good things in the public eye, like becoming a scoutmaster with the Boy Scouts. He was a baseball coach and a Sunday school teacher and was named to the board of directors for a charity, and I couldn't find the name of the charity, and I think that was intentionally done, in 1977. He used the position as a member of the board of directors to forge again... This time he was forging letters from the executive director of the charity to the mayor of Kansas City and then from the mayor to civic leaders to name himself as the organization's man of the year. <laughs> and then he hosted <laughs> himself a luncheon in his own honor.
0: <laughs> oh, man.
1: I mean, palsy, honestly. Like, If you believe it, you, you can you, do it. Yeah, what what is that at um, Epcot? It says like, if you can believe it, you can achieve it in their like new nighttime, oh my, spectacular. Yeah, fuck that nighttime spectacular. I know. I was I was as we were walking away, I was like, huh
0: <laughs> It's the Figment song, right? I don't know. I don't it's, know either.
1: It sucks. I will die on that hill. So will I. So let's see. Sorry, I lost my spot because I took a drink. Once he was done with probation, which clearly worked, in 1979, he was arrested again for even more embezzlement. This time, he added some check forgery to the charges and actually had to spend some time in jail. Oh, good. Granted, it was 60 whole days. Oh, not good. But at that point, it was the most he'd done in prison. So,
0: Okay, there small
1: victories. In 1989, John opened two more companies. These, much to neither of our shock or a surprise, were also fraudulent <laughs> and he hired a 19 year old girl named paula godfrey to work as a sales representative for his management consulting firm called equi two
0: can we just say though if he put this much effort into one business that was actually legit he probably <laughs> would have been, been really successful yeah, <laughs> yeah but Isn't how it many crazy? businesses now has he fraudulently built yeah well and had to even, have taken the same amount
1: of effort as not me. even just like fraudulently built but like how many places has he committed fraud against? Like, how much work did he put into making himself man of the year? How much work Wait, did he put into... But, like, if he would have just, like... Done the right things and gotten it legit, like... Yeah, that's so funny to me. Yeah. Not the like, this man, I guess. Eye rolls, honestly. Hm. So, Paula told her family that John had arranged for a business trip for her and Uh-oh. some other women... To go learn some clerical skills down in San Antonio, Texas. On September 1st, 1984... Oh, wait, hold on. I think I was supposed to have 1979, not 1989. Mm -hmm. My apologies. So, September 1st, 1984, he picked her up at her house to drive her to the airport. Her family never heard from her again. And when she was reported as missing to the police, they talked to John, who said he had no idea where she was. Coincidentally, a few days later, a typed letter arrived at her parents' home from Paula that thanked John for his help, said she was okay and didn't want any further contact with her family. The letter was signed by Paula and police closed the investigation. <laughs> I mean, she she at that point, she was 19 and they have this signed letter allegedly from her saying, no, I'm fine. Yeah, so. not much you can do. No, unfortunately not. In 1985, John, going now by the name John Osborne, met Leah, or sorry, Lisa Stassi, who was also 19, and her four-month-old daughter Tiffany at a shelter for homeless women in Kansas City. I don't like it already. Yeah, you shouldn't. Lisa told family that she was joining the Kansas City Outreach Program, which was designed to help young mothers. Now, I do not know if this is a real organization or if it was another load of bullshit from John. I don't know okay so it could be either john told lisa that she would receive free room and board while studying for her ged the only reason i would say that i think it could be real is like would you not kind of look into that a little bit and like i don't i don't know i mean it is the early 80s so like or the mid 80s i guess at this point so i i don't know if people were as distrusting yeah i don't know so either to be honest maybe so that would be my only like maybe she had already heard of the organization but then the whole free room and board is very
0: well you said she suspect. was living at a shelter right yes she was so i'm wondering if maybe she like had heard of this place through the shelter before
1: right and that's that's why i'm like i'm not sure it could be one or it could be both you know it could be either way yeah so he John also promised her a job and a stable place to live. All she had to do was sign several blank pieces of stationery. Oh no. On January 10th, John picked up Lisa and Tiffany from her sister-in-law's home and brought them back to their hotel to a room he was paying for. A few days later, John told his brother and sister-law and sister-in-law that he knew of a baby that needed a family. Oh no. Due to her mother dying by suicide, and for five hundred and fifty thousand dollars in legal fees, what? they could adopt her. Sorry, 19- five hundred and fifty thousand. Sorry, five like, thousand five hundred. Oh, sorry. What? Yeah, no, sorry, I wrote it wrong. Okay. My bad. It's like what? Uh, yeah. 500, five hundred, five thousand five hundred. Okay. Yeah. No. Good catch. Thank you. So, in two thousand, it was confirmed via DNA that the baby was Tiffany much to did they adopt the she did yep and they renamed her to heather robinson was it a legal adoption no okay no the everything was just john okay her adoptive parents also had a set of quote authentic end quote adoption papers with signatures that appeared to be forged by by john um from two lawyers and a judge Lisa was never seen or heard from again. In 1987, a 27-year-old woman named Catherine Clampitt left her child with her parents in Wichita Falls, Texas, and moved to Kansas City to live with her brother and his family. She went looking for work and answered an ad for Equi2, as we know, is John's fake company. Yep. Same one that Paula worked for Catherine started living in hotels closer to her job, which was in Overland Park. This seems really strange to me because the two cities are only like 20 minutes apart. So it's not like she had a huge commute. You know, I, I know plenty of people that travel further than that for their jobs. So it just seems really weird to me that she would be like, oh, well, I'm going to live in this hotel because. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Catherine was promised extensive traveling and a new wardrobe with her new job. On June fifteenth, nineteen eighty-seven, Catherine and John left for a meeting, and Catherine had not been has not been seen since. Her missing persons case remains open. While in prison from nineteen eighty-seven to nineteen ninety-three for a, another fraud conviction, and parole violations, John meets Beverly Bonner. The prison librarian. Oh. Beverly at this point was married to the prison doctor, um, but in 1994, after John's release, Beverly left her husband and moved to Kansas City to work with John. Mm. Robinson. Oh, I don't know why I call him Ron is in there. <laughs> um, John arranged for Beverly's alimony checks to be delivered to a P.U.L. box in Kansas City. And shockingly, her family never heard from her again. Beverly's mom kept sending her checks, and John just kept checking, cashing them. How do you cash a check not in your name? I wonder if he had her open an account and mm, ha- put himself on, it, on it, it too. Okay, I don't know. For I guess sure.
0: yeah. And oh, I don't. I'm assuming it was the same in the '80s as it is today, but I don't know.
1: You know? Yeah. It's it's that's one of those things that it's like it's not that long ago, but it's also that long ago yeah right like i mean this is before either of us was even alive right so our parents had just gotten married yeah so it's like i could have asked them but I, i literally saw them for 10 minutes today tops so let's see after getting out of prison john started using the internet to find his victims he used the name and this is really uncomfortable for me to say I don't I don't like I know it's part of the kink but it makes me very uncomfortable okay the name slave master I don't I don't I won't be saying it again
0: yeah I don't think anyone says that
1: so I just don't like it um he was unsurprisingly on BDSM chat rooms and was looking for a submissive partner he met Sheila Faith who was 45 and had a 15 year old daughter named Debbie who was a wheelchair user due to spina bifida John told Sheila that he was a wealthy businessman and promised to help pay for Debbie's care so Sheila and Debbie left California and went to Kansas City and were never heard from again Although the pension checks that Faith was receiving continued to be cashed for the next several years. Shocker. John continue- continued to search the BDSM chat rooms, and in 1999, he met Isabella Lewicka, a 21... 21- <coughs> oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Pause. <coughs> that one snuck up. That right one there. snuck up on me. Good. Uh, so she's 21, and she is a Polish immigrant. He offered her a job and a bondage relationship and then when he moved or when she moved to Kansas City, he gave her an engagement ring. Fun fact, he is still married. Hmm. So he's been doing all this shit and his wife has stayed because she doesn't know. She has no idea, which is just really sad. Yeah. So they go and pay for a marriage license, but it was never picked up. Although Isabella might have believed that she and John were married because she told her parents that she'd gotten married but never told him or told her family his name. She also signed a 115 item long slave contract that gave John complete control over her life including her bank accounts. That's a long contract. Yeah, can I can't even like I can't even think of 115 things to put in a contract, <laughs> right? I'd be like, um you have to cut your toenails like like what? like how how do you even have 115 things to put on there? Anyways, <laughs> I just got stuck on that for the hot second. <laughs>
0: your face was like like you were just like in a far off like i could tell you were really thinking about it
1: i I really was because i was like i i just don't what would you even
0: put on there especially if it gives you this is where my mind went complete complete control of everything why didn't you just write i will give Blank like, complete control of everything. <laughs> Just sign it. Like,
1: why do you have to, you're like, why does it have to be so fucking specific? This seems like a lot of work. <laughs> so, well, we both went on two completely different yeah. journeys. <laughs> uh, our listeners were like these idiots. So she stopped showing up to work and John told her employer that she had been caught smoking pot and had been deported. Oh, was she not from here? She's
0: a Polish immigrant. Oh, okay, sorry,
1: I must have no. That. It's okay. Uh, she she was living in the states when he met her, right? But not in Kansas. I think she was in Iowa. Okay, but I don't I don't know that for sure. I didn't put that in my notes. Finally, in March of 2000, a nurse named Suzette, who was 27, moved from Michigan to Kansas City to travel with John and be his submissive sex slave. Uh, her mother was receiving typed letters from her daughter that were signed and made it seem like they had been posted from overseas, but all had Kansas City postmarks on them, so that didn't really track. Her mom also reported that the letters were strangely free of typos, <laughs> and when she asked John where her daughter was, he told her that Suzette had run off with another, another man after stealing money from him. So the typos thing made me laugh because, like... I would know it wasn't you if certain words were spelled correctly. Right. Like there, there, and there. You never, no, like, you know I just, them. I, I just don't you give just a You just don't fuck. give a shit. Like, yeah.
0: Unless it's, like, something I need to give a shit right. about. <laughs> like, if it's
1: on your social media or, like, in a text, you're like, whatever. I don't fucking yeah. care. But, like, the exact opposite would be true for me. If they use the wrong form of, like, there, there, or there, you would know it's not me. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what it is. You'd be like, that's not Danielle. Danielle did not write this. Yeah. So just that just kind of made me laugh. I was like, her mom knows her. So in June of 2000, John was uh, arrested again after a woman charged him with. uh, Sorry. After a woman filed sexual battery complaint against him and another woman charged him with stealing her sex toys, Mm. which is just like the grossest violation of privacy in yeah, in my opinion, like what is more intimate than right. that? Right. Not a lot. So that just really gives me big, big feelings. So this, uh, the that charge of the theft uh, allowed investigators to finally get into his home. They'd been increasingly suspicious of John because his name kept popping up in connection with all these missing people reports. In all, five bodies were found on John's farm. Oh. Beverly, Faith, her daughter Debbie, Suzette, and Isabella. I, I
0: was assuming more.
1: Am I wrong for thinking that? So these are just the bodies they found. Okay. So there should be more. Uh-huh. And, I and So you talked about more than yeah, five people. Yeah, and police are convinced there are more. Okay. But they just don't know where. Okay. So, uh, each body was found inside a medical chemical drum. So one of those like big, like blue 85 or yep, whatever. Yep, yep. Uh, in 2002, after the longest trial in Kansas history. Wow. Yeah. John was convicted of three murders and multiple lesser charges. He was given the death penalty for Isabella and Suzette's murders and life for, oh shoot, I wrote Isabelle twice. Um, I think it was, um, sorry, I got to find it. Not Sheila. I don't remember which, uh, which one. Uh, so I wrote as Suzette and maybe the, not the daughter. No, I don't think they, so a lot of times with, with Charles this big, what they'll do is they'll split it up. Right. So, if they don't get him for one, two, and three, they can still try and get him for four and five. Yeah. So, I think that's what they did. So, I don't think they did the the daughter, and I don't think that they did... Oh, Beverly. Beverly is the one that I think it was. Okay. John was also charged five to 20 years for interfering with the parental custody of Tiffany, who, again... Uh, is now Heather that's
0: could you imagine
1: finding out that your uncle is this kind of monster that murdered your mom and then traded you or like sold you to your parents yeah horrifying but also like
0: hopefully she had a good life with these people yeah but and so like how conflicting would your feelings be
1: I don't know so her name is Heather Robinson Mm -hmm. I don't know if I could keep the last name yeah I think that would be the one thing that I'd be like I don't hold anything against you guys because I, you obviously had no idea. You thought he was telling you the truth, but I can't be connected to him by my name. I just can't do it. Yeah. I think I would change back to my mom's name. Yeah. So then he also had 20 years for kidnapping Suzette and seven months for theft. I don't know why the seven, the, or sorry, the, the 20 years for kidnapping of Suzette. I don't know what that is about for sure. I didn't find anything on that. Okay. So after a, re- a deal was reached for John to plead guilty, which was kind of like, you know what an apology is, right? Where it's like a not apology. People are like, oh, I'm sorry. But they don't actually say they're sorry. They're like, um, so let's say I like punch you in the face. i be like, well, it's a it's a shame that I punched you in the face. Okay. Like, that's not really an apology, right? Yeah. But I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I I apologized. Right. So it's called an apology. Got it. So basically, his plea agreement or his, he never really said that he was guilty, but he basically like, it was almost like an Alfred plea. Okay. Yep. But not an Alfred plea. It was a plea, a guilty plea. Okay. It was very confusing. So after doing that, he never really said he was sorry. He never really said that he did it. But the the reason this deal was done was so that the remains of the victims could be returned to their families so that John and John could also avoid a death sentence because um, these crimes were in both Missouri and Kansas because Kansas City is kind of both, you know? Yeah. Uh. So the DA that charged him, I want to say in kansas made the deal after working with the prosecutor in missouri because they both are death penalty states they weren't for a while and then they were so for one of them i want to say for suzette's that's or no um for uh god what is her name it was the c one um, oh God! Wait, I'm so mad at my, or Beverly. Beverly, it was Beverly's. So for Beverly's, when he was charged with that one, the death penalty wasn't an option. But then for Suzette and Isabella, it was an option. So that's why he got the 20 years to life for the one, and then the death penalty for the other two. Yeah. Okay. So it was kind of a weird time of when they weren't, weren't, and weren't. Yeah, whatever. So he is serving life for all five murders without the possibility of parole and in 2005 john's wife nancy filed for divorce after being married to john for 41 years citing incompatibility and irrecon- irreconcilable differences <coughs> my sources before i start coughing again <laughs> okay uh wikipedia.org and thecrimewire.com
0: you got all that from just two sources yeah wow um. Okay, our socials are MW Madness Podcasts on Instagram and Gmail and Midwest Madness Podcast group on Facebook. Yes. And cool. So happy. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. 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 Happy Christmas. Happy Hanukkah.
1: Happy Kwanzaa. Happy
0: Kwanzaa.
1: Happy, happy all the holidays.
0: Nothing if you celebrate.
1: <laughs> meant to that. Happy Solstice, I guess. Sure. Some of my friends are doing Solstice this year. Yeah so but that might have already happened it's the 21st i believe yeah you might or
0: 22nd it's one of those so um have a great week you guys and we will talk to you soon bye